This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Is George Santos a chaos muppet for the Russians? Joe Biden has more classified documents than we knew about last week. And by the way, Alicia Preston's favorite Republican is probably running for president. This is the Balance of Power Roundtable, part of the Beyond Politics podcast. I'm Matt Robeson, your host. And we are featuring, as always, our panel of former Democratic U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes and conservative commentator, analyst, and consultant Alicia Preston. Folks, let's start with the most fun story of the week. I thought that this was total BS the first time I heard it, the suggestion that maybe George Santos is working for the Russians. I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek about the headline on that because a more nuanced look at it suggests that maybe there's a little bit of there, there. Turns out that he was getting a lot of money funneled to him by a Russian oligarch who is a close ally of Vladimir Putin's. It at least raises the suggestion that maybe we should look into that there is some Russian involvement in this insane George Santos saga. Alicia Preston, defend your boy. Yeah, my boy. I don't think he's smart enough to be a Russian asset. I'm sorry. Is it he a be, useful idiot then? He could be a useful idiot. That actually is legitimate. He clearly has no scruples. He lies about the lies he lies about. He has no business being in Congress. Fortunately, his fellow Republicans, who are my peeps, are now turning on him and asking for his resignation, including said future potential presidential candidate, New Hampshire Governor Chris Nunu. I think this could be a case of Look, it's a good test of what people are willing to elect when they don't like what's on the other side. And maybe this Russian oligarch was like, hey, if I help this moron get in office, maybe he will give us some information. I don't know. I don't know if it's that deep. I don't understand it. I think George Santos is just a pock on Congress. I, again, I don't want to, I'm not trying to do like the Glenn Beck thing of, I'm just asking questions. There is some there. <laughs> The Washington Post reported that Santos has received substantial sums of money from Victor Vekelsberg, who is a Russian billionaire. He made his money in aluminum. And it's he's just one of these Russian oligarchs who found hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in wealth with the collapse of the Soviet Union and with Vladimir Putin's rise to power. He gave them a lot of money by basically giving them ownership of former Soviet enterprise. And they, in turn, kept him in power. It was a very cozy deal. And so when you have someone who's so closely linked to Putin, who's essentially bankrolling Santos's campaign, ain't there something there, Paul? Is there something there? Comrade Santos is friend to all Russians and Vlexenberg and Putin. Comrade Santos is our style of person. He tells truth like we do. So we support him wholeheartedly with as much money and rubles as we can. And if he happens to have to resign, we had a good try anyway. It was worth every effort. He is good boy. We like George Santos. So it's is it plausible? Sure. Is it a Santos-style operation? Yeah, I'll take money from the Russian oligarchs. Why not? My grandmother was Russian. 
oh, that's what he's gonna say. But the Russians are always are trying to interfere with our elections. Why not pick up on a stupid idiot like George Santos and try to get him into office? They did it with Trump. Why not with Santos? Trump, Santos, all the Republicans, they're happy to take Russian money. It's no, it's no big whoop. Look, there are those three key points, that, and you raised several of them right there, Paul, that our friend Cliff Schechter, where this, po- this podcast is up on the Blue Amp channel on YouTube. Cliff just did a video about this on the Blue Amp channel on YouTube. Yes, I am plugging the Blue Amp channel on YouTube. Please subscribe there. And Cliff said that there, there are these three key points. One is there is a pattern here, Paul, that you're alluding to, right? We saw this in the case of Maria Butina, the Russian implant who wormed her way into Republican politics, started dating a Republican political consultant and helped funnel money through the NRA to Republican campaigns. We know all of this happened and the NRA essentially was like a laundromat for Russian money to go into Republican campaigns. Why were they doing that? Raise the idea at the top of the show of, of maybe it's just because he's a chaos Muppet, maybe because they're just trying to, they're like they're like Spectre in the James Bond world or Hydra in the Marvel universe. Like they're trying to sow chaos and that's in Russia's best interests. And of course, as you mentioned, Paul, the ultimate example of this is Donald Trump. We know exhaustively, conclusively beyond any doubt that Russia was trying to help the Trump campaign back in 2015. Through the 2016 election, they continued to help him through presidency. And in return, what did they get? For one thing, they got the Helsinki bootlicking incident where, you know, he almost literally bent over to kiss Vladimir Putin's you-know-what. And they got all this dysfunction and all of this chaos in American politics. It weakened our country. There's no doubt that this is the Russian M.O., And yeah, it does seem like the third point from Cliff is this does seem, as you suggested, Paul, right up Santos's alley where he's a con man for hire. He's wide open for business. He's willing to reinvent different persona for himself, depending on where the money is and, you know, where the fame is. He was running around in 2019 pretending to have a, an organization called United for Trump. And he appeared at an LGBT Republican rally. Using different name. Using a different different name. name. Yeah. So there's, there's just this, like, he would seem to be the perfect dupe for a Russian disinfo information. That's all. The other thing, the other thing it could actually affect Russian Paul is look, think of it this way. And the Russians aren't stupid when they do this. They're terrible, evil, tyrannical people, the government, but they're not stupid. They knew this election this past year was going to be close in our Congress. And if they could control a Santos, if they could persuade a Boebert, a Getz, a Marjorie Taylor Greene, and a handful of others to stop funding Ukraine in the war with them, that actually would affect something significant. That's a point to consider that how far are they willing to go? Because it wouldn't take many votes to stop the funding of U.S. dollars to Ukraine in the war against Russia. It's true, and that is why we are sending cases of caviar to Governor Chris Sununu right now. Oh, there it is. There it is. Shots fired at Chris Sununu. Paul, Paul, I got to warn you, man, you're wading into some dangerous territory here. Alicia is going to come out swinging (laughs) at you. He's going to come at you like a spider monkey in a second here. This is- 
Wait, caviar, very nice gift. Do not Chris. go after Chris Sununu. <laughs> cruising, you're cruising Russian Paul. Yeah, you're in big trouble, big trouble. All right, and I look. feel like he's more of a fish fillet sandwich than a caviar kind of fella. But that's my thought. Alicia, that's actually fascinating. I, as, as often happens, you've brought up something that I haven't thought of. That's very interesting. The idea of, you know, maybe your point is right that other Republicans, even Lauren Boebert is this dumb, but may, even Marjorie Taylor Greene is perhaps smart enough to say, no, I do not want any ties to obvious Russian oligarchs on my record. Maybe Santos is the kind of desperate flimflam man enough to be the perfect foil for them. And you're right, introducing a little bit of a little bit of chaos into the Ukraine discussion could be part of the objective here. All right. Any more rank speculation we want to engage in? I'm sure there's going to be more here. No? All right. Let's no, move, on. move on. All no. right. We got to talk about a somewhat meaty story just to talk about ongoing like drip of revelations, just like in Santos. We've got the Biden document story. Now, look, we did a show last week where all we knew at the time was some classified documents, a few had been found at an office that the then former vice president had been using, and they were reported immediately to the Department of Justice. And we all got together and in a show of bipartisan unity said, this is a nothing burger. We don't really care. We don't think this is a story. Then Thursday night, it was reported that aides to President Joe Biden found five additional classified documents at his Wilmington, Delaware home. Apparently they were locked up in a garage. That doesn't sound that awesome to me. And again, th these documents, these revelations, they were immediately reported to the Justice Department. So we know that there are some major differences with the Mar-a-Lago Trump situation. But I think the real question is, we all agreed last week, political nothing burger. This week, still political nothing burger, or are we starting to put some uh, sesame seeds on that bun, Paul? From a realistic standpoint, it's a nothing burger. A few documents, his aides went and found them. I'm sure that after the initial discovery in the office that he had used after his transition to private life after, I don't know, 150 years in public, public office, he has to transition, starts a think tank. They find a few classified documents. Everybody gets excited. He tells, he presumably immediately says, search everywhere, search everything. Let's make sure that's the end of it. They find a few documents in his garage. Who knows? Behind the garden hoses, underneath the sprinkler, behind the rake, next to his Corvette, there's a couple of documents. From a realistic point of view, not the cleanest thing, not what we'd like to hear, from a political point of view, yes, there are now sesame seeds on the bun. In fact, there's probably lettuce and tomato because it gives Republicans, probably Alicia Preston and others, this false equivalency to talk about Trump and Biden doing the same thing in the same breath with the same kind of consequences. While, of course, they're totally dissimilar, there's nothing in the situations that is actually the same. But it's a political problem for Biden. There was a headline this week that said, "This is this the end of Biden's political career? I think that's pretty hysterical. I don't think that's true. But it certainly is a political problem because of the appearance out there in the great public. Um, not our listeners, who, of course, are attuned to all the subtleties of what happens in politics. But in the general public, it's a problem that there were 
classified documents for Trump, and now there are classified documents for Biden. That's the problem. Sloppy staff work and not clearing out all the documents, and the and this ha- this kind of thing happens in an in a transition of the kind that the vice president went through because there's a lot of paper that gets handled. What doesn't happen ordinarily in a transition is hundreds of documents in boxes secreted away. And then the FBI is lied to about the existence of the documents and the National Archives is distracted, put off and rejected. So the situations are different, but politically a problem for Biden. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Look, yeah, it's not a nothing burger. We're not at the point of sauteing onions and mushrooms yet, but we got some ketchup and cheese on there. Look, it's a problem. I hate whataboutism. When, you know, Donald Trump, every time he got in hot water, what about Hillary Clinton and her server? And now when Joe Biden's in hot water, what about Donald Trump and the Mar-a-Lago raid? Look, are they dissimilar in part? Yeah, but they're wrong. It's all wrong. It's all wrong. And what it is, it's indicative of people who have had too much power for too long who think the rules don't apply to them. That's where the laziness and the sloppiness comes in when it comes to documents like Joe Biden had. And mind you, there have been three rounds. The first round we all knew about at the UPenn office, excuse me, that he held after being vice president. Then one document was found in his home. And then at the end of last week, they announced on Saturday, five more documents were found. So we've had three rounds. How many more does there need to be? And who's going to be doing the looking? And he has other residences. Who's going to be looking for these classified documents and super duper classified documents, whatever they're called? Is it going to continue to be his own personal lawyers? Is it going to be the National Archives? And why is this happening? Why is there so much sloppiness? Again, people in power too long think the rules don't apply. Trump may not have been in power long, but he's had in government, but he's had fame and fortune that grants him a level of power. Are you trying to say that Biden personally was sloppy about these documents? Come on. This is I'm saying the buck stops here, buddy. And oh, now he's responsible. Oh, it's my staff. Oh, my extended staff didn't follow procedure. Responsibility falls at the top. And if he were a good leader, he would say the buck stops here and it's on my shoulders. He hasn't he hasn't denied responsibility. I'm denying it for him and saying that when you start talking about sloppiness and too much power, you're attributing something personally to Biden that there's no evidence of in this case. These are yeah, it's very, called documents. The, there's 20 documents are, of evidence. 
There's not 20 documents. Yeah, but, the, but that doesn't mean that's not evidence of sloppiness. That's evidence of documents, Alicia. I think yeah. I think it's evidence of documents that he shouldn't have been in possession of. No, you're speculating. If we were in a court of law, I would object right now to Judge Hodes. And I'd say, Judge Hodes, first of all, how the hell did you get on the bench? You're clearly unqualified. Second of all, I would Fair. say, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I deserve that. And you'd be like, great. I'll see you in prison. That's contempt yeah. of court. Literally. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Second of all, I'd say, I mean, you're, the witness is speculating here. You, what you're attributing, Paul is right. You're attributing a personal characteristic to Biden on the basis of there are documents. Yeah, there are documents. There was actually a deep dive on this on the very chaotic end of the Obama administration where Biden was. There is some responsibility here, Alicia. I think you're partially right about this. The part that Biden bears the responsibility for is apparently he was trying to cram in so much stuff, so much action to the end of the Obama administration while he was still vice president, that it was all like what show, right? There were like calls, there were meetings, there was just so much action going on that it made for an environment where they were rushing around. That may have accounted for some of these documents ending up in the wrong place. But That's Paul- his responsibility. Oh, yes, that is ultimately his responsibility. That's the part sure. that I'm agreeing with you with. But you're wrong that this comes from a, oh, I'm entitled, I'm super powerful. There's no evidence for that. You're just- Yes, there is. There's 20 documents that he had no business taking no, out of that, the confines of our government. That, that he no, is responsible Alicia, for. Alicia, no. You, again, you're doing it again. You're, you're saying conflating. there are documents. Therefore, that's evidence for my charge that Biden is an entitled person. Those two yes. are not connected. It does not prove that he's an entitled person. It's proof it that proves he is it proves it to me and to a lot of Americans. Wait a no, second. No, you're just you're giving that. You might as well say that's proof that he's an atheist. You have that's proof to me. for that charge. <laughs> oh, I guess someone, he's an atheist. It's first, last that I he's checked, actually a Martian. Last I checked, being an entitled person in power is not a legal designation. It is an opinion yeah, people you're have, speculating. and it is but my opinion. And so you okay. can't say my opinion, opinion. Is, is wrong. Uh, Millions of Americans. Who look yeah, at government and expect of better of them. <laughs> so wait a it's, second. I don't Hold want on. it in a Hold I don't on. want classified documents about Iraq. Wait, Fox in a garage next to his fancy Corvette. Hold it, you guys. Just because there are documents there and there is no connection about personal sloppiness or inattention in that you can say, does the buck stop with Biden? Sure. But it's not about him personally. Now, contrast that, if you will, with Here's the uh, do with Donald Trump saying, these are my documents. I yes, personally- That is a contrast, Alicia. That is actually different. Right, I'm just saying right? it's hilarious that what, and look, I'm with you guys in the Donald Trump stuff. I agree with you all along. But when, whenever you're talking it. about Trump, whenever you're talking about Joe Biden and his documents, every single commenter for the last few weeks has been, yeah, but- what Trump did was, that's what no, about no, 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 is no, no. just Alicia, like when Trump was no, going, no, but what Hillary Alicia, did I you're was. backwards on that. I, why are we talking stick to about Biden. That? Okay, why are we talking about the Biden thing at all? It's because, because he had classified documents in his private no, residence. No, it's because no. of the Trump context. We're only talking about this because of the Trump context. Every administration. Well, then shame on you, because I think it should be talked about no matter who did it or what happened yesterday. Every administration at the end has found some quantity of stuff that has ended up in the wrong place. What we are saying is this is very different. Intent matters. That's what Paul was saying from a legal standpoint. Okay. I shouldn't from have taken that shot at you a minute ago, Paul. Paul is actually an excellent legal mind. Just in the, case anyone wants to put him on a court, he would be very well, good Well, it could happen. That's the thing. Now I'm really regretting it because I could yeah. end up in front of Judge Hode someday and he's going to be like, <laughs> unqualified for the bench. 
Looks like you're getting the slammer, buddy. No, Alicia, the only reason we're talking about this is because of the Trump context. It's not oh, a I what about I think it should absolutely always be talked about when someone takes from the government inadvertently or otherwise classified documents and they're found two years later. And here's an yes, intent question I have. Yes, but you agreed last Why? week that this was a total nothing burger. Because it was, it was in a professional office. It was that he only was relevant post presidency. It was only I, relevant because of the contrast with and Trump I and the. And I criticized its sloppiness and I said, what's wrong with government? And I said, they've got to come up with a system. This is ridiculous so that this can't happen. But when it was just at his pen office with his professional, other professional documents and things he was doing, that was one thing. Now we've got him at least two different locations in his home. But here's a question. Why on November 2nd did he hire lawyers, which I still don't understand why he hired lawyers to do this, a very expensive moving company, that sounds like, to go through his office and look at documents. Why did he then have lawyers go through boxes in his home and look for things? Why, what's, I don't have the answer. I'm curious, what spurred this internal investigation to begin with? Oh, that's absolutely a hundred. I actually can give the answer to that. Right. That's a hundred percent what you want to do in this situation. And if anything, what Paul was saying a moment ago is right. They did it badly. And it's not just Paul saying that, it's David Axelrod saying that on the Sunday shows. So the very first thing, and Alicia, you and I have talked about this on this show before, so I know you agree with me. When you discover that there's a problem like this, what's the first thing you do? You find out internally what's the extent of the problem, because what are the three rules? Get it all out, get it out yourself, and get it out the first time. You don't want this to drip out. So the move to get this looked at thoroughly and completely is the right one. Now, what you want to do in that circumstance is you want to have lawyers doing it because there are you don't know what you don't know is in these documents. You want people, first of all, who have an outside objective perspective on this. You hire for this so that they're, I mean, they're people working for you, but you hire people who have an obligation, they're officers of the court, if this ever comes up in a legal proceeding, they have an obligation to be truthful to the court. You, you want to hire outside people to do this kind of thorough, we are going to find everything, and then we're going to be responsible for making it public. Where they screwed up was they still managed to drip this thing. We talked about it last Tuesday, and we all gave him a clean political bill of health. And then by Thursday, it was like, wait a second, we found more. If they had not found more, we would not be talking about it today. So Paul, I get you, why you the investment with any of that. Yeah, look, when if there's a problem, you hire lawyers. It's just the way we do things in the United States. We have a full employment system of justice. Lawyers, lawyers are called in if there's the hint, any hint of a problem. Who knows? We don't know at what point they, at what point. The lawyers were called in exactly why, but it's the right thing to do. Biden has done everything right in, to deal with these documents. He hired lawyers, he told the National Archives, he then continued the search, found more documents, which is the political problem of the drip. As Matt says, other than the context with the investigation into Trump's incredible a theft of documents at Mar-a-Lago claiming they were his personal documents and that he had declassified them with his magic Harry Potter Donald Trump wand. This would not be a story because you could go to virtually every administration in transition and find some 
thing that should not have been kept that was kept, whether it's documents, whether it's gifts, every administration goes through, goes through something like this. It's a political problem for Biden only because of the appearance and the context. And that's the end of it. So let's you know, wait and see what happens when the documents are reviewed. We, nobody knows what's in them. Similarly, we don't know what's in the Trump documents. Why? Because they're classified. They're well, hold on. There's another reason, though, that I think, Alicia, you may be hinting at, and you're, you're not wrong about this, why you'd hire lawyers, which is attorney-client privilege. Because if you hire, if you say to a staffer type like me, oh, Matt, go search, find everything. We don't have that. And it's true. There could be, if what you're suggesting is there's something nefarious about that, I doubt it. I don't think that's the angle. I think that there is a legitimate reason to want to, because you don't know what's in there, to want to have some kind of level of attorney-client privilege. I could come to, let's say it's Paul and his trove of hidden documents. I could come to Paul and say, hey, man, I found this, your super secret business plan. I found this love letter you sent to Pego when you were 19 or whatever it is. And our discussions about that would be protected by attorney-client privilege. And you could have evildoers, as George W. would have said in the House of Representatives, which you do, who are trying to turn everything into a political scandal, who could otherwise put me in front of a congressional panel and say, what did you talk about with Paul Hodes? If I were an attorney for Paul, I couldn't do that. I think we can all agree, correct me if I'm wrong, that something transpired. That that's a hard Biden thing to disprove family, because stuff is right? always happening. That's the nature of something the transpired that caused Joe Biden to hire personal attorneys to look at that first office. I agree. No, with you. Once no, those documents we, do not, found, we do not agree. We do not. Agree. After six years, he left the vice presidency six years ago. And after six years, Paul calls it a transition period. That is the longest transition no, no, period I've wait, ever heard. Can of I in understand? Can I understand? Wait, are you saying that? He hired attorneys to do the initial search that turned up the documents? Yes. Or he hired attorneys afterwards? No, he hired the first documents were discovered by attorneys in the UPenn Biden office were discovered by attorneys. That were specifically searching for documents? They were searching his boxes. We don't know what they were specifically searching for, but for some reason, six years after leaving office, Joe Biden hired private attorneys to search his office or pack. Oh, I know why that happened. Or do something too. in his office. Yeah, no, I know why that happened oh, too. Okay. I, seriously, you would advise this too if you were working for Joe. The very first thing that would happen on August eighth after the Mar-a-Lago raid is you would say, Sparky, do you have any documents somewhere? And he'd say, I don't know, buddy, maybe we should look into that. And then I would say, let's hire a law firm to do that. That would be critical due diligence. I don't think if what you're intimating is something happened, like something nefarious happened, I think it's a lot more likely that they were like, oh, geez, if we're going to go big on this story, we better make sure that we're clean. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. They were not clean. And by the way, they just put Merrick Garland, not just, they put Merrick Garland in a bad position six years ago before anyone knew it was going to happen with Donald Trump, in a terrible position. Because no matter what Donald Trump did wrong, it is not going to come across well in the United States. It torpedoes any real, true, and legitimate investigation into Donald Trump just not, by the appearance. Not, not, just not by true. The appearance. Not true. Not so. Garland, look, they're now the special counsel, separate special counsel, a Republican appointed special counsel dealing with the Biden 
matter. They'll deal with that. They'll deal with the Trump matter separately. The FBI is now interviewing his employees and staff to really get down to it. It is highly likely, in my humble opinion, that Trump is going to be found to have personal viability for what happened at Mar-a-Lago. Totally different, but it's being handled properly. And this is not the end of the Mar-a-Lago classified document investigation. But I think you're speaking as Judge Hodes. I think Alicia is speaking as political consultant Alicia. And legally, I would be foolish, as we've now established, to disagree with Judge Hodes. Judge Hodes, who probably <laughs> should be on the Supreme Court. Let's be clear. You hear that, um, Chris Anuno? <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. All right. We're going to go there in just a second. I am not allowed <laughs> to lobby for a position on the United States Supreme Court. I will only say I am a member in good standing of the United <laughs> States Supreme Court, as well as a number of other appellate courts to which I might be appointed uh, to serve. But far be it from me, me to ever lobby <laughs> for a position on one of those courts. Till although, the end of time, my, I took a my, pot shot at Hodes. I took a although, pot shot. Although my, my, my skills as a writer and thinker, as well as a legal scholar, might be tested um, oh in a challenging way, which would be enjoyable. But far be it from me to lobby for a position should Governor Chris Sununu decide to cross the aisle for an appointment during his presidency. All right. As long as you don't call it an intellectual feast like Robert Bork did. Yes. Number one, I'm going to be spending weeks now, I think, trying to crawl out from under my, my random pot shot at Paul. I was wrong. I will admit it. Second of all, yeah, we do have to talk about the Sununu thing. But I let me just close this out by saying, I'm sure, in all joking aside, that Paul is right legally that this does not end the special counsel investigations. And based on the little we know, I don't believe in convicting anyone in the court of the media, but based on the little we know, there is a big difference here. This isn't a whataboutism. There is a huge gaping legal difference between what Trump did and what Biden did. But Alicia, I think you're right politically. I think you're right. I think the attack on Trump for the whole Mar-a-Lago document situation is scuttled. It's just, it's torpedoed. Talk about a whataboutism. There's just no way to have that come out of your mouth without it kind of boomeranging because it's just too easy for what about Biden? All right, look, let's put that one to bed. Alicia, go ahead. Go all fangirl on me. Now, the genesis of this <laughs> was interesting. We were talking before the show and Paul was like, Chris Sununu is running for president. I'm like, ooh, there was an announcement. And he's like, no, what do you mean, <laughs> Paul? That's not a story. And he's like, there was a non-denial denial. So Paul, just so I'm clear here, what you're saying is he continues to deny it in the exact way that one does when it's, I'm not running for president, wink. Is that what's happening here? That's uh, uh, certainly not. It's uh, Running for president is not something which is under consideration at the present time. Ah, so he's running for president. Alicia, tell me the inside scoop. Like, they're, are they forming using committees? Are they reaching out to staff? And, like and, what's and are we losing you from the show? Have you sent in your resume already? <laughs> Have you? Made are you going to go call? all Huckabee Sanders on me and start wearing like a huge smoky are eye? Are you going to be the white? You're going to be the the new White House spokesperson. We're going to see you on television. I have no idea what Kristen Newton was planning. <laughs> I don't know. That yes, sounds like a nod denial to me. Denial, denial. I press secretary, inside information. I wish I did. I wish I were much closer to the situation I am, Governor Sununu. If you need 
another year as you strategically decide what your future is. I am happy to, in full confidence, have these conversations with you. And I will not share them with Matt Robus and Paul Hodes or the listeners. But if you, you just give me a call, I'm happy to have the conversation with you. Look, I don't know what he's doing. He's doing something. He is making the national rounds on talk shows. He did the CNN documentary last month. Something's going on with him. He's either running, planning on running for president, testing the waters to run for president, or perhaps positioning himself for to be a VP pick. He's a popular guy. He is fiscally conservative, but he is middle of the road on the extreme social issues. He fits middle America in many ways. He's very popular. He's been elected with over 60% four times now in New Hampshire. And he's affable. He's likable. He doesn't get into the mud and the mire that so many Republicans have been getting in with the speech and name calling. He's above that fray. I think he would be a great candidate for president and Bing me and I'll shoot you over my resume. And if it's you for president or these guys, I'm dumping these guys fast. Wow. Potato. Wow. <laughs> Alicia, I have to say, we're right here. Oh, there you go. Start own sending, world. I don't know what it's like on what's the dating app? What's the hookup right, app? Right. Tinder. Like, you just swiped left on us while we're looking at your screen. Yeah, right. Yeah. Ouch. Oh. Okay, in all seriousness. Wait um, a second. Wait a second. Oh, he no, we to have to continue being silly. Go on. No, this is actually, he used to be in the top four of popularity of all governors. He's plummeted. He's now 12th in popularity. He's slipping big time. So he's on the way down while he wants to be on the way up. Maybe he sees the tea leaves and says, hey, that's it. I can't be governor here anymore. I got to find another job. Why not president? There's a weird political dynamic that happens in New England states, where sometimes politicians, you know, they, they reach a long kind of tail off where they hang on. There's this interesting phenomenon that you see with Republicans who have been in office for a long time. If they have this kind of moderate public image, you see it with Maine politicians like your Olympia Snow, Susan Collins types. You see it with some of the Republicans who have been governor in Massachusetts. They tend to hit this 60%, mid-60s popularity, and they tend to just stick there. It, it's a model that tends to work in this part of the world. In all seriousness, though, we have Will Hurd, the former Republican congressman moderate, coming to New Hampshire for one of these test the waters type speeches to Republicans on January 28th. We have Chris Sununu doing this kind of maneuvering to, to get into it. It does seem like there's a bit of a field forming. Obviously, Donald Trump is already in it. Is any of this realistic? I mean, it, like, is any of what is the end game strategy here? Because we've seen this pattern on the Republican side, especially although we saw it on the Democratic side in 2020 as well, where you'll get like 12, 15 candidates who all for some reason think that they have some upside to running for president and they're never going to be anything but also rands. I mean, is there what's the strategy of a Will Hurd or a Chris Sununu? I think this goes to why New Hampshire should retain the first in the nation primary status on both the Democrat and the Republican ticket. It gives people an opportunity to be heard, seen, understood, questioned, give answers in a manner that otherwise would not be able to happen. A Will Hurd or a Chris Nunu can't get their name out if we're starting with New York or California or Illinois. That's the beauty of a small state like New Hampshire with very few media markets. 
having everyone converge gives the rest of the country the opportunity to see who these people are through their own words, through media, and through the citizenry of New Hampshire. I think it's a perfect example of why New Hampshire should retain the first in the nation status for both the Republicans and the Democrats. Look, is it realistic? It's very hard for a governor of a state like New Hampshire or for a former congressman like Will Hurd to be able to get the national attention and funding needed to run for president. That's very difficult. But can it happen? Look, an Arkansas governor once became president of the United States, again, thanks to being able to come back in a New Hampshire primary and get seen and heard. I remember once sitting with someone who will remain nameless, who was with a group of us who was considering running for president. We were having a dinner to discuss whether he should or not. And someone said, this candidate is the best because he doesn't have an ego. And if he doesn't have an ego, he really comes across with the people. And I burnt into la- burst into laughter. And I said, guys, everyone at this table either thinks they can be president or make someone president. No one here is without ego. <laughs> and if you look at Chris Nuno and he comes across as that kind of guy. But ego does have a play in it. Who thinks they can become president of the United States? It's an interesting game to watch. So it sounds like when we talk about the primary process and New Hampshire's role in it, a point that you both made as I was lobbing hand grenades at New Hampshire, sorry, folks, love you, was there is a model here where you raise your name recognition. And if you otherwise don't have a viable political path forward, it gives you a springboard maybe to a cabinet position. You get it in the case. So is that kind of there's a Pete Buttigieg upside potential for folks like this? Is that sort of the idea? That's always always true. That's at least if New Hampshire is first in the nation, because we have a, we, we know how the game is played. And although we don't have a lot of media, the media pays attention to folks who show up and give speeches to Republicans and Democrats at fundraisers and other gatherings. I've been to dozens in, in, in my lifetime, dozens of little-known candidates who are coming to talk to activists, supposedly pro- prominent Democrats, influencers to gauge what's going on. It happens here, and we know how the game is played, and that is, frankly, a pretty good reason to keep New Hampshire first. Per, at, and as we know, Ray Buckley just sent a letter to which I was a signatory, along with scads and scads of other Democrats saying, come on, Joe Biden, come on, come off it, turn it around. And by the way, if you refuse to bring your campaign here because we're going to hold our (laughs) primary first, that's not nice. Yeah, so once again, I will put in my plug for if the best argument is it gives an opportunity for potential future cabinet members to raise their name ID... That's not really doing it for me, but I digress. The New New Hampshire Journal this morning blamed it on Democratic woke politics. It said the the New Hampshire Journal, my good friend, Michael Graham, on whose podcast I've appeared and who appeared on my former show on WKXL, blamed Democratic woke politics. Y'all are too woke. You care too much. You're saying that New Hampshire is too white to know what to do about a presidential primary. Therefore, Democrats are too woke. That's the problem. Great. Woke is the new socialism. If you you run out of things to say as a Republican, just same wokeness. Fantastic. All right. Hey, we've got to get out of here. Alicia is a media star in addition Mm. to many other hats she wears, and she has another media appearance she needs to get to. 
I want to end the show on a somber note. An American who has been wrongfully detained in Iran for years this week called on President Joe Biden to take notice of the U.S. detainees. That's a euphemism for hostages. Make no mistake, the Americans held in Iran are hostages. Um, like the Americans held in Rustage, Russia, were hostages, Paul Whelan among them. This American is launching a hunger strike this week to mark his seven years since he was left behind in a prisoner swap that brought other Americans home. In a letter to President Biden, CMAC Namazi called on the president to think of him every day for the seven days that he intends to carry out the hunger strike and also to think of the other two Americans who remain wrongfully detained as hostages in Iran, Ahmad Shargi and Murad Tabaz. We talked about the Ahmad Shargi situation on this show with former U.S. hostage Jason Rezaian, and he's a Washington Post reporter. We talked about a short film that he helped produce about Ahmad Shargi's story. So I would urge all of our viewers and our listeners to take that minute every day this week and keep these three Americans and all the folks who are held unjustly in Iran in your thoughts. And uh, if you have a little bit more time than that, don't just hold them in your thoughts. I can say as a, with a former member of Congress here on the panel that your letters and emails to your, to members of Congress make a difference. They pay attention to these things. So put in a word for bipartisan efforts to try to release these U.S. hostages. And on that note, for Paul and Alicia, I'm Matt Robeson. We will see you next time.